Welcome back to the All Our Ways podcast. I'm Noah Heron and uh, just so excited that you're listening today. I'm going to jump right into it because we have an extremely special guest. His name is none other than the living legend, Pastor Chris Durso. You probably know who he is. I'm going to introduce him anyways. He is a husband, father, author, lead pastor of Saints Church, one of the greatest communicators of a generation. Um, This guy is an absolute powerhouse preacher, but beyond that, he's a great follower of Jesus and friend. And so I'm just so pumped that you're going to get to listen to our conversation today. We talk about everything from communication, preaching, all the way to the nitty gritty of Um, your relationship with God every single day, and what that looks like for someone who communicates the gospel to tens of thousands of people every single year. I think you're going to love it. Before we jump in, I want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, uh, Jesus Loves You Company. They are absolutely amazing. You've seen their stuff probably all over Instagram. It literally is the coolest and most comfortable stuff that I own. Um, My favorite thing about them is that every piece that they design, uh, handcrafted, is a conversation starter that leads people to the good news of Jesus. That is that Jesus loves them enough that he died for them on the cross. Go check them out on Instagram at JesusLovesYouCo and um, tell them I sent you. If you buy something, enter the code ALLOURWAYS at checkout and you'll get a discount. We love them so much. This uh, couldn't happen without them, honestly. And so uh, now we're going to jump into my conversation with the one and only Pastor Chris Durso. Hey, Pastor Chris. So glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us. I'm honored, man. Thank you for having me on. So before I get going with questions, I have to ask you a very important question. Um, Have you been watching the Michael Jordan documentary, the last dance. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the greatest sermon series I've ever, ever watched, listened to in my life. Um, Man, it's just, I'm so inspired by it. I've watched it one time all the way through. I'm going to go back again. And I want to, I want to just binge watch a 10 hours straight of just one to 10. It's it's amazing. It was incredible. Did you watch Jordan as a kid? Yeah, big Jordan fan as a kid. I mean, I actually had his his book that was released early on. It was a photography book uh, called Air or Rare Air. And we took both of those books and we cut out the pictures from them and we put it all over my my bedroom. Uh, wow. I, I was a massive fan. Um, used to always buy Jordans. Um, in fact, I remember being, I'm going to date myself here, in the 10th grade wearing retro 11 Jordans and being made fun of because they had not start retroing the Jordans yet. Um, and I was being made fun of when a kid walked up to me. He's like, who wears old Jordans? And oh, no. I've been a big sneaker collector since the sixth grade. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just the biggest Jordan fan. Love Jordan. Totally love the last dance. So I, I bet that kid who made fun of you for the Jordan 11s is uh, kicking himself now. Yeah, yeah, probably wishes sure. he yeah, had absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and they were the originals, by the way. So I felt really good about it. <laughs> well, uh, things have, have looked really different the past couple of months for, for everybody. Um, I know that The Last Dance, um, now asking you about it, has taken up some of your time. But what, are, what else are you doing that's a little bit different? What are you doing for fun? I noticed you and your wife are getting into biking a little bit on social media. Any other stuff you've been doing that's kind of random? 
Man, so we, we, we definitely, early on, I think everyone was just like nervous to go outside. And it was also a bit colder over here in New York at the time. Uh, so we were just basically binge watching Netflix when we could. Because to be honest with you, I feel like, and I'm sure like every leader pastor in, in the world is just working harder in this season. Where like, it's not even nine to five. It's like from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. But yeah, the past few weeks, we've actually gotten into planting. Uh, she's been into planting, but we're now doing it together, which I'm loving it, actually. Uh, we actually have a virtual trainer that we work out with, which is the hardest workouts I've ever done in my life. And it's this this friend of ours who will over FaceTime. So we just set up our phone and she just tells us what to do and we do it. And then, yeah, now we're also biking. So I'm feeling good about myself. My goal is to come out of quarantine better. Wow. And then you're not talking about planting churches. You're talking about like gardening planting is what mm -hmm. you're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. For, we weren't planting churches. For... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were... yeah, you're not crazy. <laughs> well, um, man, I, I, I've looked up to you for uh, a long time. Um, I've heard wow. you preach at all different types of things and events. And, and, uh, but I think now as a young pastor and young leader, I think the thing that I admire about you most from afar, this is our first um, intimate conversation. We've talked a couple of times at different places, but the thing I've admired um, about you is the way that you juggle all of the hats that you have in your life. Uh, you're an author, you're a traveling speaker, you're now the lead pastor um, of the church that you've been serving at for several years. Um, you're a husband, you're a dad. You have all the, there's probably a ton of stuff I could add to that list as well. Um, but you do all of it with grace and you don't ever seem hurried. I'm sure that there are moments behind the scenes where you're stressed, but at least from the outside, it really looks like um, things are under control. I would love to uh, focus for a minute on what rhythms look like in your life, how you're able to juggle the time and the demands and the responsibility that you have, and, and you're able to keep those priorities in mind. Would you just speak to that for a moment? Yeah, well, well, first off, thank you. Thank you for being so kind. Thank you for being so honoring. Even thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast and sharing your platform with me and for starting off with Jordan, because it just means we're starting on the right <laughs> um, But you know what? I don't, it, it's funny that you asked that. I don't feel like I have, and I think I think anyone that has to do a lot will find themselves struggling or feeling torn, or I wish I would have did that better. I mean, I've had so many moments where I wish I was a better husband or a better father. You know, my son's 13, my daughter is 10, so this is just a brand new season for me in life. Um, but what I've learned is the better moments I have or the better seasons I have, it's all with open communication when I'm not only communicating to my wife or my team or my children what I'm doing, but I'm listening to the feedback and engaging with them. Um, you know, I just think about quarantine and being in quarantine and people constantly reaching out, let's say to do a podcast or, or, or Zoom and really deciphering which ones we should be doing. I remember my wife looking at me because we had a bit some requests and people were kind enough to invite us on. And she just said, hey, let's, let's just do the ones that we know you're supposed to do and let's not do anything else. Wow. And I think it's that kind of communication as opposed to me just going to my wife and saying, yeah, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. But because I respect the way that she thinks and I respect her opinion and she knows me better than anyone else, she's able to contribute into that and to ultimately help me make the right decision. So now take that same principle and let's apply it 
should I be going on that speaking engagement? Should I be doing this right now? Uh, I typically go in the office earlier on Tuesdays. Should I do that this Tuesday? And we do that with each other across the board because my wife and I are leaving this church together. So we're raising two children. We're constantly, we're constantly trying to figure that out. And like I said, I have strong moments where I'm proud. I have other moments I go, ah, I missed it on that one. Yeah, man, so good. So would you say that um, your rhythm is different from season to season? I, I know that as a parent, that probably plays a big role, but um, even just your relationship with your wife, that differs from season to season based off of how you guys are communicating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what and what's on the docket for that week? You know, I think I've learned just in life that you have to be agile. There are moments where you need to be strict and you always need to be disciplined as far as character goes and as far as integrity and maturity. What am I going to do? What am I not going to do? But then having the freedom within your framework to say, okay, I could handle this at this time or not handle it at this time. Uh, you know, we there was a season in our church where we would do Wednesday night prayer meetings every Wednesday night. That's the culture I grew up in. I love prayer meetings. Now we shifted it to once a month. Uh, but I remember a few months ago, uh, or a little bit over a year ago at this point, uh, my daughter had a production at her school and the pressure was, man, you got to go to the prayer meeting. How could I not be there for my daughter? And I go to prayer meeting every week. Hey, this week I'm taking off the prayer meeting and I'm going to Chloe's production. And someone might say, yeah, but you, you, broke the, you broke the rhythm. Yeah, but that was a necessary break in the rhythm because in order for me to keep going how I'm yeah. going, I need to invest where I need to invest. And I needed that moment uh, with my daughter. And not to say that the prayer meeting wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been powerful because I'm sure it was and I'm sure it was helpful. But for me in that moment, what was best for me as a dad, as a pastor, as a leader, what was best for me, that was actually the better decision. And I think it's understanding that I think that um, if you're a leader, if you're a pastor, you like structure. And too often, we could become prisoners of the structures that we built and thinking that we always have to, we have to do it exactly how it's been done. But I think if you want to live a big life and you want to live in a world bigger than the, let's say, the one you're currently in, but you want to continue to help people because that's the mission. The mission is to keep helping people and reaching people. You have to be okay with, with, with the dance. Yeah, man, so good. I, this this theme has been coming up um, the past two months, at least in, in my life, a lot. This theme of um, saying yes to the right things, no sure. to the right things. And uh, even like this juxtaposition of doing for God and being with God, like how much uh, you mentioned the, the quarantine schedule of ministry. I feel like I'm actually busier now than I was two months ago. That's right. And um, one thing that I just, every time I open my Bible and I, I read the red words and I see the unhurried uh, life of Jesus and how he was so dynamic in the people he affected, but it, it, he never seemed in a rush. He never seemed like he got out of this proportion of being with God before he tried to do with God. Are there any uh, kind of, I don't know, barometers or I guess guardrails that um, you have in life or maybe just things that happen uh, that are kind of warning signs that that might be shifting in, in your life? For me, a big one's my wife, right? And you mentioned your, your wife as well, but are there other things that kind of pop up in your life that say, hey, maybe 
I need to slow down, like, like some warning signs. What are those? Because I know that we probably have a lot of young leaders listening who are so excited about maybe the call that they've just accepted and they're running hard. Sure. And um, what they haven't learned or experienced yet is that there is a wall and that, that we have to keep that check and balance of doing versus being. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really great question and a really mature question. Um, I love that we're, we're talking about the things that matter. So thank you for even just making this available because I know it's going to help people. Um, when, when, I think of, when I think of me, I know me. Um, me personally, I'm a morning person. I can get up early. And if I'm eating healthy and if I'm working out and if I'm keeping a, a rhythm, a good rhythm, I could wake up at 5 a.m. Mm. But if I'm doing things that aren't normal part of my rhythm and I'm saying yes to too much, if I find myself sleeping 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., that's a moment where I go, what are you doing? You're doing too much. Um, because there are only 24 hours in the day and there are several things that you do need to do as a husband, father, pastor, leader, friend, brother, son. And when I think of those hats, I just go, they all, they all need to be met some way, somehow. And there's actually, I love that you said Jesus, right? Uh, my good friend, Pastor Tim Ross, he, he always says this, Jesus walked everywhere. He never ran. He always walked everywhere. He never ran. Speaking of this idea that if you're running through life, you're doing something wrong. And I've had moments, I've had plenty of moments, whether it was too much travel. And I think in the early years, when we first started traveling, it was such an honor and it, it is still such an honor. But I think the shock that somebody would ask you, like I didn't grow up in a church where pastors traveled. We never brought in guest speakers. So the first time I got invited somewhere, I was like, you want me to come and speak? Wow. And then, you know, and then just kind of like, just all dull-eyed, like, hey, someone else asked me to come. What do you think I should do? Should, should you say yes? So it was always this. And then it, it was always that feeling. And then after a while, it was like, hey, you can't keep, this isn't sustainable. Because like, we have this saying in our church, we're in it for the long run. I'm trying to make it to the end. Uh, yeah. You know, me and my friends, we have this saying amongst one another, better, better at 70. And the yeah. idea is, what am I doing now that's going to take away from my tomorrow? If it's taken away, I don't want to be a part of it. I want to I make it to the end, which we all know the very famous words, well done, good and faithful servant. So, you know, for me, if I'm not able to get up and pray, read, have my shot of espresso, my ginger tea, I have a whole morning routine take Jack out for a little walk. Like these are the things that I love to do in the morning. If I'm not able to do that, there, there there's an issue. Um, and there's a concern. Um, you know, there, there's this passage in the Bible that talks about David and David, David was, was going through a lot. And it says that he went into a cave and before going to a cave, he goes to a king and he says, Hey, can you take care of my parents? It's such an interesting verse. It says, can you take care of my parents because I can't worry about them right now. I need to hear from God. He wasn't saying that he could no longer be a son, but what he was saying right now, I can't worry about them because I need to hear from God for myself. And I just think it's such a strong principle and, and point that if we're not healthy, we're not going to produce healthy. So if I'm not healthy, Chris, I'm not going to be a healthy husband. I'm not going to be a healthy father. I'm not going to be a healthy pastor, preacher, and then you just start running on fumes. Man, I love that so much. And you talked about you, talked about you and uh, your friends better at 70. Um, I've seen that uh, around quite a bit. And one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was friendships, because 
Um, as your influence and your leadership has grown, uh, it seems like your friendships have grown too, which is not always the case um, in people's lives. Sure. As responsibility grows, sometimes friendships really, really suffer. Uh, how important is it to have people in your circle um, that you don't just do life with, but they actually sharpen you and challenge you in those types of ways? Yeah, it matters so much. It matters so much. I, let me say this: one of my favorite moments in my life. I was at, um, I was, I was attending a conference, very well-known conference. Um, I, I was at Hillsong Conference in Australia, and we're sitting in the back green room, and we're all, all the friends are hanging out, chatting. And Pastor Judah Smith, who's big brother to me, great friend, I love him and Chelsea so much. He literally sat me down, him and Chelsea, and they reprimanded me in the kindest way possible. They just looked at me and they said bro, you're traveling way too much. And I know it feels good, but you should just, you should, you should slow down. And I'm looking at him like, cause we're in a green room, right? Like we're in Australia and, and he, he went there, but I love that he went there because for me, that's friendship. Friendship and love is honesty. So you don't just cheer on your friends. Yeah. You cheer on your friends, you support your friends, but something else you do is you're honest with your friends. And if you have a concern with them, you're honest with them. And for me, I know you love me by how you talk to me. And it's not just flattery. It's not just kindness. But tell me the truth. If I have spinach in my teeth, please tell me I have spinach in my teeth. If my fly is open. Please don't let me walk around with my fly open. Make sure that I know um, what, I need, what I need to know. It's actually what I'm grateful for my wife for. My wife is one of the most honest people in the world. Uh, two of my best friends that come to mind that live in New York. One, one guy's name is Junior. Um, the other guy's name is Ralph. They're honest with me. Um, I think of Robert Madu, one of my best friends in the world, Rich Wilkerson Jr. But these are guys who are phenomenal preachers. But when I talk to them one on one, like, hey, man, I don't, I, I don't think you should have said that. Or I could say to them, hey, I, I would not say it that way. Yeah. Not really sure what I think about that. And that's healthy because, because the, we're, we're supposed to be people that are constantly molding and growing together. I want the kind of friends that could be honest with me. I want the kind of friends that, that are going to challenge me, not just say yes to me, which by the way, I've been around that and I've seen a lot of that and I've seen other guys with that and it just doesn't end well. Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> it's funny you bring up uh, Pastor Judah because um, Pastor Judah is actually, I gave my life to Jesus uh, through a YouTube video that Pastor Judah uh, posted. Uh, I'm 25. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 21 through a YouTube video in my college dorm room. And then uh, about two months later, I spent uh, the next four months interning at his church out in Seattle. That's wow, where I amazing. got the call in my life. And um, anyways, that's a tangent, but it does lead to my next question because I want to talk about communication. And uh, Pastor Judah Pastor Chris Durso, you guys are some of the greats of our generation of communicating. I'm kind of a nerd, and so I tried to save this for the end of the podcast so that uh, this, this wouldn't turn people away. I am a communication nerd. So you preached a message at Youth America Leadership Conference in November. My wife and I were um, sitting on the front row. I took notes, but then I went back and I watched that message probably six times. Um, <laughs> Because you are a master communicator, it's not just um, it's not just anointing, which is which is clear, but you can tell that it's something that you've worked at and that it's it's a craft. Um, I would love to know just a little bit about the process of how you go from 
reading a biblical text to I'm now going to share this, not just, it wasn't just from my heart, but now I'm going to share this with others. Could you just, you know, I'm not asking for the secret sauce, um, so to say, but just a little bit about your process of, of how that looks. Bro, I'm going to send you money after this podcast. <laughs> and honoring and thank you. Thank you for everything you just said. Um, yeah, I love communication. I'm with you. I could, I could, I could study communication all day. Um, some of my favorite uh, communicators to watch are comedians. In my opinion, comedians and preachers are the greatest storytellers. Comedians know how to do it quicker. Um, their, their wit, if it doesn't hit within 30 seconds, they move on to the next joke. And when it does, they still move on. And that's the brilliance of it. I also, I also watch a lot of different preachers. And the ones I don't even agree with, I don't even mind saying that there are some that theologically I don't agree with, but if I'm talking about purely from the art of communication, they still have an audience. And I remember just being in my early twenties, asking the question, why, why do they have an audience? What is it about what they do that people uh, are paying attention to? And I think when it comes to communication, we spoke about rhythm before. I think you have to have a rhythm in how you sermonize. I have a structure that I typically go by, whether someone realizes it or not. So now like I'm in the lead pastor position, I'm using points on Sundays because that is helpful to get someone from Sunday to the next Sunday and yeah. beyond. Um, but let's say I'm preaching at a conference and let's say we don't necessarily take that approach. In my mind, I still have three points. I'm just not saying point one, point two, point three, write it down. Uh, and I remember sitting with Judah years ago. I mean, man, I might be dating my, yeah, years ago, probably <laughs> 10 years ago. And him just going over with us, his structure. And I remember taking that structure and then shaping it and applying it uh, for myself. But, you know, I, I'll never forget him saying, he goes, text, title, prayer, introduction, transition statement, text, there are three points within the text, conclusion, call. And it was in that moment, by the way, that I learned you can have a structure. I thought we were winging it. I didn't know. And, um, and that was a big game changer for me because it's like riding a bike. The moment you, you figure out how to ride a bike, you, you figure out how you're most comfortable and then you could start uh, moving things around. Um, but in my opinion, you know, Pastor Stephen Furtick is – man, the greatest preacher of his generation. And then I would say Bishop Jakes before him is, is the greatest preacher living. Bishop T.D. Jakes is the greatest preacher living. Um, but then, you know, there's so many others. Er McManus to Jensen Franklin. I love all of the styles, by the way. And the reason why I bring them up is because they're actually all uniquely different. Um, but it's this idea of taking one idea and pulling everything off of that idea as much as possible. I, one friend said to me, you got you to take all that chicken off the bone. It, man, I'll never forget eating at a friend's house. And I was, I, they invited me over to eat and I took a few bites of the, of the drumstick and then I kind of put it back on the dish and went to, you know, throw up my, put my plate in the sink. He looked at me, he's like, bro, my mom is going to flip. You have to finish the chicken. And that, that idea has always stood with me that I don't ever want to take a verse and leave any meat on the bone. So then the questions you ask yourself when you're looking at a text is how does this apply? Is this helpful? Is it going to help people and how? What kind of people? All people. Because we all have our natural slant, by the way. Yeah. But I think if I want to be a person that reaches people other than the ones that I'm normally speaking to, I have to think bigger than how I normally think. 
And I just think it's always a challenging question. What could I do better in communication? Mm. I don't think it's a question. It absolutely did. I'm going to take it a little, I, I can still hear you saying, um, you were at Youth America Leadership. Um, the message you were preaching was uh, when Jesus came back and uh, Lazarus had just died. Mm. And you were talking about how Martha uh, was in the house and she was uh, yeah. sulking. And, and you were like, I can just hear your voice, Martha, get up. Like you kept saying it. And um, going back to the preparation process, because I, I know I would guess that there's probably about 25% of the people listening are pastors, but a lot of the others that are listening are probably in ministry of some kind, even if not vocational. What is, is, is it difficult sometimes knowing that you, in your future, you're going to have to share on the text um, that you're reading? Is it sometimes difficult for you to separate uh, Pastor Chris' time with the Lord from Pastor Chris preparing a message for others' time with the Lord? What, is, what are some safeguards for people that maybe they might be able to put in their quiet time with God so that it's not always a problem? Yeah, what a, what a great what a great question. Um, I think it's important. I think it's important to eat for yourself before you consider feeding others. And for me, I do the same devotional routine every day. I do soap. Um, I still do. I still use the Life Journal uh, Bible reading plan. You get through the Old and New Testament within a year. Um, I do that every day. And there are moments. A lot of moments where, ooh, I could preach that. And I'll definitely make the note. I'll, I'll highlight it. I'll now write in my memo, memo pad on my iPhone. Um, but I just keep reading. The, the idea is to keep trucking and don't make everything about getting a sermon, um, but to allow God to have his time with me. The fact that God would want time with me and that I would take away from that time with me and him so that I could talk to others about him that that that's that's how I would view it that, that that's what allows me to stay grounded in that but I think all pastors have have that same challenge and it's like man the Holy Spirit speaking to you what do you do I think it's I just think it's it's wise to be able to read pray take a selah take a pause and and just thank God and and pray what you need to pray about family decisions all of those things presented before the before the lord that's why before i do anything i will i will put on worship music i will just put my iphone down i love worship music worship music is typically playing in my home uh, especially in the mornings and that allows me to engage in that time and then i will make the note and then i'll come back to it at a later time to prepare the message but man what a great question because it, it it is it is so alluring um, to get caught up in that where it's just mixed and you can't tell what from what anymore. Yeah, I love I loved what you said about the Selah because I, I think that, you know, I, I have those same moments where I'll be reading through um, my, my quiet time in the morning. I do soap as well and, and I'll, I'll read something and I'm like, man, I got to preach again in three days and I just found my text, you right. know, and uh, before I know it, I'm writing the sermon. But the Selah, I think, I love the way you put it, the pause, the, the thank you um, moment, I think really makes it personal again with God. Um, I'm going to start, I'm going to start remembering that. And how how that fun word. is it to know that the Bible is full of the word Selah and it's like the Holy Spirit put these little road bumps for us. All right. You ever driving and you drive over a road bump. It's the, 
slow down. Like, and that's why he would do that, just because he knew that our minds would drift. But almost as saying, hey, there's so much there for you. This whole thing is good to preach, and you should preach all of this. But, but let me just get this time with you. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, one last question. We'll yep. wrap it up. Um, to a young leader listening, uh, whether they're, you know, full-time ministry or not, but they feel called, they feel um, like they're walking in the direction that God has placed before them, and um, they're excited about the potential for being effective for his kingdom. What would your one piece of advice be for that young leader, you know, who's looking to be um, just more like Jesus at their core, but also effective for his kingdom. Just one piece of uh, advice, wisdom, takeaway that you could leave with us. Yeah, uh, humbly steward it well. Uh, humbly steward it well. Uh, that doesn't sound too good saying out loud, but I, I would think it's a really profound statement for any leader. But for the young leader, humbly steward it well. Here's what I mean. There's a calling on you. You have a desire to preach. You have a desire to do ministry. What I would say to you is be humble as you go into it, because there are so many that have had that same call and have had that same moment as you. Listen to them. Take heed to what their encouragement, their wisdom is to you. If they're encouraging you to slow down, you probably need to slow down. If they're, if they're saying you're being too loud and you're being impatient, you're probably being loud and impatient, but that's okay because we've all been there, but, but just receive it and apply it. But I would also say steward. I, I, I like the word stewardship because the Holy Spirit is going to give you unique things for you and how you steward it is up to you. I'll never forget years ago, years ago before anything ever happened with Misfit. I oversaw a youth and young adult ministry called Misfit NYC. Uh, before we launched the youth and young adult ministry as Misfit NYC, it was a youth explosion. I inherited a youth ministry called Youth Explosion. And I had this idea to preach a message called Misfit. I preached one message called Misfit and it kind of took on a life of its own. And kids started making t-shirts. At the time they started changing their MySpace names to Misfit. <laughs> And, and then I preached a second Misfit message three months later, and it kind of got bigger. And then three months later, it got really big, and, and different rappers were, like, quoting it in their songs. And I wasn't even sure how it was all happening. And then this really prominent leader, great man of God, uh, he did nothing wrong, but he reached out. And he said, hey, man, I, I love that word Misfit. Would you mind if I take it and use it for my ministry? I mean, this guy was doing stadium ministry packing out stadiums across the globe. Uh, he says, I want to use Misfit. And I said, well, let me think about it. I was in vacation at the time with my family and I was praying and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me no. And I told him, so sorry, I feel like I'm not supposed to release it to you. I feel like I'm supposed to steward it. And he, he was like, okay. And all of my friends and were just saying, bro, you're nuts. Like that's so and so. He's going to use it. It's going to be amazing. And I wasn't really doing anything at the time. And I just said, yeah, I just feel like I'm supposed to steward it. And they kind of looking at me like, you're you're missing out on an opportunity. And man, just a few months later, I got Zondervan reached out to me. Hey, do you have any book ideas? And I said, I got this message I preached called Misfit. It's doing pretty well. They said, great. Would you write a book called Misfit? And then I wrote a book, Misfit. And then after that, we did the Misfit tour. And then it seemed to begin a movement. And then we changed the youth ministry name to Misfit NYC. And it kind of just, yeah. and I, just, I think it all started because I was willing to, to steward it. Um, so anytime I think of young leaders, I, I think young leaders always catch the flack for being arrogant. I don't think you're arrogant. I think we're excited. I think, I, I think of 20 year old Chris, I was just excited about Jesus. 
And I would say, but just steward your emotions and steward, steward the words that God has given you because you have no idea what God will do with it. And there are going to be big people in the world. And the goal is not to be big. The goal is to steward what God has given us. That's fine. Mic drop to end the podcast. Pastor Chris, thank you so much for uh, being a part of all our ways. It was an honor. And um, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. I'll speak to you soon. Later.